Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 113. Millions are still relating to all of that old school thinking that defines the Hebrew term Chodesh as moon, new moon, or even month. The truth is, they have no idea that it does not mean moon. So what in fact does it mean? Shalom friends, welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to episode 113, and this is part 17 in my Dead Sea Scrolls series addressing some of the selected texts of the New Covenant as they relate to the general themes of the texts that are found from the Qumran Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, last week, I spoke about Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. This is the second half of that podcast. And in this text, we're going to continue to learn about the dialogue between Yeshua, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and, testing him, asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, Fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, Foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Now, on our last episode, I addressed the statement made by Yeshua when he said to the elders, the religious teachers, and the temple priests, hypocrites, you know how to understand the face of the sky, but you cannot understand the signs of the times. What was it that Yeshua was speaking about when he spoke these words? On day four of the Genesis creation narrative, which is based on Genesis 1, 14 through 19, Yehovah made two great luminaries, or lights. He also made the kochavim, or the stars. Now, it is generally interpreted and understood that these luminaries, the greater one and the lesser one, control the timing of Yehovah's feasts and festivals, and his special appointments referred to in Hebrew as moedim. The Genesis 1, 14 through 19 narrative teaches us the following. Then Elohim said, Let there be luminaries in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for luminaries in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then Elohim made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. The stars also. Elohim set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And Elohim saw as good so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. 
Now, this comes from what is called the Leningrad Codex, written in 1009 of the Common Era in Cairo, Egypt. However, when compared to what is written in the Qumran, Dead Sea Scrolls, Book of Jubilees, there are some differences. The Book of Jubilees does not say that the moon regulates the divine Moedim. It does give a place for the moon, but not for the purpose of regulating Moedim. Instead, the Book of Jubilees addresses only the sun as the responsible luminary for regulating heaven's signs, which in Hebrew is the word otot, also regulating the seasons, in Hebrew the moedim, the days, in Hebrew yamim, and the years, in Hebrew the shanim. This is based on the Dead Sea Scrolls 4Q216, that is K4 of the Qumran Fragment 216, it's referred to as the Book of Jubilees, and we're going to look now at Column 6, Lines 5 through 10, which I have abridged here for this reading. I'm going to be reading the first part of Line 5, and then continue on to Lines 7 and 8, beginning in Line 5. On the fourth day, Yehovah, or Yudhebaveh, made the sun. Now to line seven. He made the sun as a great sign above the earth for the days and the Sabbaths and months and the feasts, the years, the weeks of years, and the jubilees, and for all of the cycles of the years. So we learn that the claim is made in Hebrew Hashemesh Gadol Haaretz Leyamim Ushbatot Ulchodeshim Uyovalim Veyachol Tekufot Hashanim. Permit me to give you a translation. The sun is great over or on the earth for days, for Sabbaths, and for months. Also in Hebrew, the Chodeshim and for Yovelim, or Jubilees, also for all Tekufot, referring in Hebrew to cycles or circuits of the years. Now, compared to the text in our present-day Hebrew Bible, again, which is copied from the oldest complete manuscript that we have available in the Tanakh from 1009 of the Common Era, referred to as the Leningrad Codex, the sun and the moon are both regulators for Earth's days, Sabbaths, months, and years. Again, as it reads in the Hebrew text that we have. So the question I ask is, why are the sun and the moon mentioned in the Genesis text that we have from the Leningrad Codex in 1009 of the Common Era, saying, the greater luminary rules the day, and the lesser luminary rules the night. Whereas in the book of Jubilees, only the sun is mentioned as a regulating orb. The moon does not have anything directly to do with that. For a detailed answer to this question, I ask you to please revisit last week's episode 
112 and Part 16 in this teaching series for my thoughts on this matter. Okay, now with this being said, before I go on, I want to now summarize what appears to be baked into the biblical model of the biblical festivals, which are called Moedim, or divine appointments in the Bible. As far as I can determine, what I'm going to give you next is what was taught from the giving of the Torah to Moses and the people at Mount Sinai all the way forward to the forced exile of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The signs, in Hebrew referred to as the otot, there are 12 chodeshim, or monthly cycles. They are part of the signs that Jehovah has given to us. Also, there are eight chodeshim, or what are called months, each with 30 days. But then the signs also include four chodeshim, or months, each with 31 days, meaning there is an extra day separating the four different seasons, which I'm going to get to in a moment. There are also four cycles of 13 weeks and four cycles of 91 days, all of this corresponding to each rotation of the 13 weeks in each of the four quarters of the year. So all of these are called signs or otot. Let's now go on to the seasons. In Hebrew, these are the Moedim. Among the annual seasons, or the Moedim, there are 52 weeks of seven days each. Each seventh day of the week is a Sabbath. Then there are also seven Chodeshim, or seven monthly cycles, that are dedicated to giving us testimony of feasts and festivals to maintain our relationship with Yehovah. Okay, so now let's go on to the days. In Hebrew, this is Yamim. Among the days of the year, there are 360 cycles of 24-hour days, each with a 12-hour day and a 12-hour night. But of course, that depends on the season of the year. There are also four cycles of days called Tukufot, or Days of Transition and Renewal. And in total, this equals one cycle of 364 days that defines one full year in the biblical texts. Finally, there are the years, referred to in Hebrew as the Shanim. There are two different components that are classified as years. First is the period of seven years, which is called a Shemitah, or in Hebrew, plural, Shemitot, that is a one-year period of rest for the land. And then there is a period of 49 years, with the 50th year called a Yovel, that is a complete reset for the whole of the creation. In the years that followed the late first century destruction of the Jerusalem temple, the religion of Judaism was subjected to a redesign by the rabbinic minds of the period. 
and it was part of a planned agenda to establish through custom and tradition some new long-lasting parameters to regulate the timing and the doing of the Moedim, meaning the biblical festivals. Firstly, in Hebrew, the word Yareach, Yud Resh Chet, which is the moon. In Scripture, there are 12 moons in one year. Each month has a cycle of the Yareach, or the moon. Now, of course, there are some who begin every new cycle with a dark moon conjunction, whilst there are others who begin with the sighted horns of the new moon crescent. There is no across-the-board unity among everyone who follows the new moon cycles. The second point that I want to make is that in Hebrew, the word chodesh, that is chet, dalad, shin, chodesh, does not mean moon. Yes, I know that in the Hebrew Bible, the traditional and typical way of today's scholarship is to translate chodesh as moon, or sometimes as month. However, this is old school thinking. This is all that any among the biblical scholars knew until 1947, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the Qumran Caves. In the late 1990s, nearly 50 years after the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, this old-school thinking started changing, and scholars and Dead Sea Scroll researchers began to accept that Chodesh does not have the same meaning as the word Yereach or moon. Instead, biblical scholars began to adopt a new gold standard, for lack of a better term, for the Hebrew term Chodesh. Permit me, please, to give you an example of what it is that I'm trying to get at. Back in the 1940s, the common English word gay meant happy and joyful. However, with the emergence of the LGBT and LGBTQ movement, the word gay came to mean lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Now today, if one says, well, I'm happy and gay, that carries a very specific connotation. And so, if you're going to use the word gay today, the term happy may be okay, but if you add the word gay... It has a very specific definition, and it's an outdated definition for someone who wants to say that they are happy. Today, millions of good people out there have a similar kind of problem in reading the Hebrew word chodesh or rosh chodesh, and then reading it to understand it as the word moon, new moon, or even month. You see, it's just a sorry case of old-school thinking. As a result, millions are still relating to all of that old-school thinking that defines the Hebrew term chodesh as moon. The truth is, they have no idea that it does not mean moon. So what, in fact, does it mean? Based on the Dead Sea Scrolls, chodesh means account of exactly one 30-day period of time that begins with the first fourth day of the week 
that follows the spring equinox in any given year. So, in whatever status the moon happens to be found, whether it is a dark moon, a crescent moon, a quarter, a half, a three-quarter, or even a full moon, that moon status is always what it is on day one, beginning with the first fourth day after the spring equinox in any given year. So, permit me to put it another way. A chodesh begins with the first fourth day after the spring equinox, which always establishes the first month. And from that first fourth day after the spring equinox, you just count 30 days. That's called a chodesh. And this is how the term chodesh was anciently defined in the Enoch texts of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So now, let's go on to talk about the meaning of Rosh Chodesh. The term Rosh Chodesh, often translated from Hebrew as New Moon. Again, this is old school thinking. The newer updated definition for Rosh Chodesh which is based on the scholarship of the Dead Sea Scrolls, is the beginning or the head of the new month. Rosh Chodesh is always, always going to be day one of the next or following 30-day period of days that makes up a month. So then this leads me to talk about each quarter of the full year. You see, there are four quarters in a year, and within each quarter, there are three chodeshim, or months, each with 30 days, 30 days, and 31 days. The reason that the third chodesh has 31 days and not 30 days is because the last day of the third chodesh is day 31 and is called a day of remembrance. And once again, there are four quarters in the year. And therefore, there are four days of remembrance. Each of the four days is dedicated to four solar events that happen with each cycling of a year. Those four solar events are the spring equinox, the summer solstice, the fall equinox, the winter solstice, So, each of the, quote, Day 31 Remembrance Days defines a specific change in the season. And there are four seasons of changes in each year. And we can see this in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, which you can read on your own. Of course, Yeshua knew all of this, which is what he directly referenced in Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, when he spoke to the Pharisees and the temple Sadducees, saying to them, You don't understand the signs of the times. I'm convinced Yeshua's statement was well understood by them. They knew that he was talking about the book of Jubilees and the book of Enoch. But the Judeans, or simply as it's referenced in the New Covenant texts as the Jews, 
that's Judeans, they rejected those teachings. And consequently, they did not include the Book of Jubilees or the Book of Enoch in the Hebrew canon of Scripture when Hebrew Scripture was in the process of being officially defined and canonized. So the question we must ask is why? Because they did not accept the authority of the true calendar stewards, that is, the priests of the house of Tzedok. As a result, the Judeans left out the book of Jubilees and the book of Enoch because they wanted a newer and more up-to-date calendar that was more in line with what they preferred, which was not linked to that old priestly calendar belonging to the authority of the house of Tzedok. Now, let us travel back in time to the early 2nd century of this common era and read about how the biblical festivals and the feasts were determined using the sighted moon lunar calendar paradigm. To do this, we will consult a couple of texts in the Talmud in Rosh Hashanah 25a. Rabbi Akiva said to Rabbi Yehoshua, I can learn from a verse that everything that Rabban Gamlael did in sanctifying the month as valid. As it is stated, these are the Moedim, or seasons, of Yudhe sacred proclamations which you shall proclaim in their appointed seasons. The word seasons here is Moedim from Leviticus 23.4. The teaching goes on to say, This verse indicates that whether you have proclaimed them at their proper time, or whether you have declared them not at their proper time, I have only these festivals as established by the representatives of the Jewish people. Rabbi Akiva said to Rabbi Yehoshua, It states with respect to the festivals, Quote, the Moedim of Yudevave, which you shall proclaim them. They are to be sacred convocations. Three times, Leviticus 23.2, Leviticus 23.4, and Leviticus 23.37. These verses use the term Otam, meaning them, which can also be read as Atem, meaning all of you or you all. This comes to teach, you all, or y'all, are authorized to determine the date of the new month, even if you unwittingly establish the new moon on the wrong day. You all, even if you do so intentionally. You all, even if you are misled by false witnesses. In all cases, once the court establishes the day as the new moon, it is is sanctified, and God grants his consent. After hearing this, Rabbi Yehoshua said to Akiva in these words, Akiva, you have consoled me. You have consoled me. This teaching from Akiva to Yehoshua in the early 2nd century focuses on Hebrew wordplay using the vowel pointing of two terms, atem, meaning all of you, 
referring only to the Jewish court of rabbinic authority, and Otam, referring to all of them, that is, the seasonal Moedim, or festivals of Jehovah, the Jewish legal tradition that the Jewish religious court cites the moon for everyone else was established in prior generations. It was the Sanhedrin that handed over total power to itself to declare when the Moedim or festivals of Jehovah were to be set apart and done in all Israel. The people had to rely on the court for all festival proclamations, including proclamations based on their postponement rules of Lo Adurosh and Lo Badu Pesach. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk more about these issues. This is Avi Ben Mordechai. You're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 113. Here is your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is Avi Ben Mordechai. Let's continue where we left off just before the break. I was discussing this matter of the High Court of Israel, the Sanhedrin, and the fact that they had handed over to themselves total power to declare when the Moedim or festivals of Jehovah were to be set apart and done in all Israel. And consequently, the people then had to rely on the court for all festival proclamations, including their proclamations based on their postponement rules, referred to as Loadu Rosh and Lo Badu Pesach, among other things. Now, Loadu Rosh is a postponement rule that applies to the Feast of Trumpets, or what is called in Scripture Yom Teruah. The Feast of Trumpets can never start on a Sunday that is, the first day of the week, which is given over to the Hebrew letter Aleph. It can't ever start on a Wednesday, the fourth day of the week, given over to the Hebrew letter Dalet, and nor can it even start on a Friday, which is the sixth day of the week, given over to the Hebrew letter Vav. So together, Aleph, Dalet, Vav. This is the acronym Adu. So they got the postponement rule, Lo Adu Rosh, meaning the head of the month cannot fall on Adu, that is, the first day of the week, the fourth day of the week, or the sixth day of the week. Now let's look at Lo Badu Pesach. This is another postponement rule applying to the start of Pesach. The festival of Pesach can never start on a Monday, that is, the second day of the week, which is given over to the Hebrew letter Bet. It can't even start on a Wednesday, that is, the fourth day of the week, given over to the Hebrew letter Dalet. And it can't even start on a Friday, the sixth day of the week, given over to the Hebrew letter Vav. Together, Bet Dalad Vav is the acronym Badu. Therefore, Lo Badu Pesach 
means the first day of Pesach, or Passover, cannot begin on a day that is Beit, Dalet, or Vav, meaning it can't start on a Monday, a Wednesday, or a Friday. However, what is even more interesting is that the days, Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday, were sacred days to the Qumran House of Tzedok and their Book of Jubilees, Calendar of Sevens, according to the parable of the greater luminary, the sun. So when you understand these types of rules in Judaism, based on principles like what Akiva said to Yehoshua, that the court has the authority to determine the date of the new moon, even if all of you in the court unwittingly establish the new moon on the wrong day, even if you and all the court do so intentionally, or even if all of you do so because you were just simply misled by false witnesses. The principle established is that in all cases, once the court establishes the day as the new moon, it is sanctified and God grants his consent. So again, when you understand these types of rules in Judaism, because they are a legal policy for all of the nation to follow, then you will understand statements like this from Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-6, which I have abridged for you here in this reading. But concerning the times and the seasons, or if you will, concerning the times and the Moedim, referring to the Book of Jubilees and the Book of Enoch, Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of Jehovah so comes as a thief in the night. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You were all sons of light. That's a term directly connected to the Qumran community of the House of Tzedok and the Dead Sea Scrolls. You were all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness, and that is referring to all the other authorities of Jerusalem who defined the feasts and the festivals and all the Moedim according to their sighted moon calendar. So Paul says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And if you're following my clarification, then you should have no difficulty in understanding why Psalm 104.19 has been interpreted in a rather misleading way. Let's now take a look at Psalm 104, verse 19, as it appears in Hebrew Scripture. He appointed the moon for Moedim, or seasons. The sun knows it's going down. If you read through the entire Psalm 104, you will see that it's all a prophecy about the coming of the glory and the majesty of King Messiah, the light of the world. So when we read in Psalm 104, verse 19, our interpretation should follow the context. So please permit me to give you my opinion on this verse as I read it in its context. 
he, that is referring to Messiah the Word, made the moon facing to or facing towards or going towards the Moedim of the sun. He, referring to the moon, knows by, of course, watching his coming in, referring to the sun. So here in this text, the moon is actually following the pattern and paradigm of the sun, not the other way around, with the sun following the pattern and paradigm of the moon. Now, to clarify this, in Psalm 104, verse 19, I want you to take a look at the Hebrew word mevo'o, which is generally translated as the coming sun, or simply sunset. In 2 Samuel 3.25, the term appears as mevo'ach, which is rightly translated as your coming in. And you can also see this in Ezekiel 43, verse 11. In that reference, it appears as Umovaav, which is rightly translated as and his entrances. Given the biblical doctrine about the job of the lesser luminary in Genesis 1, 14 through 18, from the Leningrad Codex of Hebrew Scripture dated to 1009 of this common era, and comparing that to the job of the sun in the Book of Jubilees, which predates the Leningrad Codex by about 1,200 years, the writer or writers of the Sefer HaYovelim, that is the Book of Jubilees, desired to make it very clear, as it is written in chapter 6, verses 32-35. Here's how it reads. And you command the children of Israel that they observe the years according to this reckoning, 364 days, and these will constitute a complete year, and they will not disturb its time from its days, in Hebrew, yamim, and from its feasts, the Hebrew word there is chagim, for everything will fall out in them according to their testimony. And they will not leave out any day nor disturb any feasts. But if they do neglect and do not observe them according to his commandment, referring to Yudhevavhe's commandment, then they will disturb all of their seasons. The Hebrew word there is moadim. Not only will they disturb the seasons, but also the years, the Hebrew word shanim, they will be dislodged from this order, and they will disturb the seasons, again, the moadim, and the years, the shanim, will be dislodged, and they will neglect their ordinances. And all the sons of Israel will forget and will not find the path of the years, the Hebrew is shanim, and they will forget the months, that is the chodeshim, as well as the seasons, the moedim, as well as the sabbaths, or in Hebrew the shabbatot, and they will go wrong in all of the order of the years, again in Hebrew shanim. For I know, and from henceforth 
will I declare this unto you, and it is not my own devising, for the book lies written before me, and on the heavenly tablets the times of the days, that is, the yamim in Hebrew, as ordained, lest they forget the feasts of the covenant, that is, the chagim, and walk according to the festivals of the goyim, or the Gentiles, after their error and after their ignorance. That's how that section reads in the book of Jubilees, chapter 6, lines 32 through 35. Now let's go on. Psalm 89, verses 36 through 37, is another one of these very interesting passages that I believe has been misread and misinterpreted. Let us take a look at this, because it concerns Messiah, the Word, and His covenant loyalty. In Hebrew, the word for this loyalty idea is chesed. That's chet samech dalid. First, let's go to the English of Psalm 89, verses 36 through 37. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even the faithful witness in the sky. Now, I went through this text in Hebrew to interpret this in a very accurate way. And as I was going through verses 37 and 38 of Psalm 89, here is how I would understand the flow and the context. And again, it doesn't make me right. It just means this is how I'm reading it. Quote, His seed will be to or towards the olam, that is, the illumination from the Hebrew word ein lamed mem sofit, meaning olam, from the word alam, meaning a bright illumination. So again, his seed will be to or towards illumination or the divine lighting and illumination. And his throne, referring to Messiah, like or as a comparison that is opposite the sun. And like or as the moon, he has surely been illuminated. Here, the he is a singular collective for the sons of the covenant. Or if you will, all of us, we are a collective singular So he, the collective singular of all the sons of the covenant, has surely or certainly been illuminated. Again, coming from that three-letter word, alam, ein lamed mem, and thus a testimony in the upper heavens of the firmament, forever or always. And then it closes off with the Hebrew word, selah, samach lamed he. So, permit me to put this all together so it flows a little bit better, okay? Messiah's seed will be to or towards the illumination and his throne like the sun and like the moon. He, referring to all of us as the collective sons of the covenant, he has surely been shined upon or illuminated. And thus, he, referring to all of us, are a testimony 
in the upper heavens of the firmament forever or always. So what I'm looking at here is telling me that Yehovah's Moedim or biblical festivals and meeting times are precisely pre-programmed events according to the work of the greater luminary, the sun, who is shining into the world through us and we are described as the moon. Correspondingly, the Moedim must fall on specific days among all the seven Hodeshim, agreeing to the 364-day solar calendrical year, just as the high priestly house of Tzedok presented it in their writings. However, because of a later and radical cover-up of the messianic signs, the Moedim, the days, and the years those initiating all the revisions in the Judean calendar system, what happened is that they made permanent changes to the Judaism of their day. It was a Judaism that they inherited from the days of Moses and even before. And they made these changes in a town called Yavne, following the destruction of the Second Temple, which is a teaching system that still pretty much drives the Judaisms of our day. So what I'm getting at is their actions had a profound multi-generational effect on all of us, including all the Jews, in the centuries to follow. And all of this was, should I say, galvanized through the rules of Lo Adurosh and Lo Badu Pesach, just two rules of switching and moving days around, which are references to the forbidden starting days of Moedim or festivals in Judaism. To this very day, the greater luminary of the day, that is the sun, and the light through which Yeshua the Messiah has become known, has in essence become a body of fouled waters of the Torah. Now, frankly, I don't think that this should surprise any of us, given the words of Yehovah to the prophet Ezekiel, who said in Ezekiel 34, 18 through 19, speaking to the exiles of his generation, is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet? That is hinting at the halakha or the legal system of Judaism to tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must also foul the residue with your feet or your halakha and my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Essentially, this finds a theological expression through the words of the New Covenant book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 28 through 29. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled or stepped upon the Son of Yah or the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. 
and insulted the Spirit of grace. But again, we must be reminded of Deuteronomy 4.15 and 4.19. For we have this warning from Moses. Guard yourselves, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and the hosts of heaven, and you feel driven to worship them and to serve them, which Jehovah your Elohim has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven. So given this teaching from the Hebrew Torah, I want to briefly have a look at some of these feasts and festivals of the pagans and the cultures that surround us so that we have a common reference point that we're dealing with here, okay? The Egyptian feasts and festivals mostly derived from the 18th century Egyptian dynasty during the days of the Hebrews when they were in Egypt. Toth, which is rebirth and rejuvenation, they had the festival of the blacked-out moon or new moon day. That was always the first day and the head of the month. They had a festival called New Crescent Day in accordance with the light phases of the moon. They had the Vadi Festival, an honor to the souls of the deceased. They had the Neith Festival, which is a uniting of the nation with lighted candles and oil lamps at night to mirror the sky and bring the earth into harmony with the realm of their gods. Those were some of the Egyptian feasts and festivals that the Hebrew nation knew about when they were in Egypt. Let's now talk briefly about some ancient Roman festivals and feasts. There's Floralia, that is the festival of protecting the blossoms of spring. There's Saturnalia, which is the winter solstice, which happens around December 21st. The Romans celebrated what's called the Family Festival, a spiritual renewal and day of divine rebirth, and they honored a festival called Lupercalia, which is all about fertility and purification. Some of the ancient Greek feasts and festivals are these. The festival of torches to the god Diana for the light of the moon with dancing. There was the festival of Aphrodite to the goddess Aphrodite for love, sex, beauty, sensuality, and warmth. There was Nomenia to all household gods on the first crescent of the visible new moon. There was Hygienia's day to the goddess Hygienia for healing and hygiene and bathing. So these are just some of those festivals that the Greeks had. Concerning these customs and traditions from the surrounding pagan cultures, this is what Paul had to say in Galatians 4, 9-11. But now after you have known Elohim, or rather, are known by Elohim, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe, that is, you do or implement Days, Yamim, months, Chodeshim, seasons, Moedim, and years, Shanim. And he's referring to all of the pagan stuff, not the real biblical stuff. And he says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. And here is what Yeshua had to say on this 
in John 12, 36, while you have the greater light, believe in the greater light, that you may become sons of light, that is, embodying the cycles of the greater luminary. Yeshua is telling us to walk as sons of light, which is exactly what Paul was telling us also, and therefore, we are His testimony to the world of all of the festivals and feasts as Yehovah has assigned them to us to live by. That's what makes us the sons of light and not sons of the darkness. And this lesson for us is not to make the rehearsing of the Moedim reflecting from all of the different faces of the moon. That's what the pagan cultures do through their traditions and customs, because we're in their world, but we're not of their world. And this is why the book of Jubilees does not give the moon the job of announcing the Moedim, because the true understanding of the Moedim and the Chodeshim have been written down on the tablets of heaven, so they can't change. Accordingly, I have come to understand that the true biblical calendar is the one that was taught to Moses and to the people from Mount Sinai with the giving of the Torah. Thanks for joining me today in finishing up with my study of Matthew 16, 1 through 4, when Yeshua said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you don't know the signs of the times. And it's linked to Genesis 1, 14 through 19. Y'all willing? I'll see you next week. And we'll begin looking at some detailed chronology of Yeshua's last Passover week leading on to his death and his third day resurrection. Navigate over to our website at www.cominghome.co.il. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio.